Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Going into the Word of God this morning, I'm going to turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. We're going to begin reading at chapter 1, verse 4, and then we're going to go to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 5, begin reading at verse 15. We're in the continuation today, final installment of a collection of teachings that we've entitled, Keep the Change. And I believe that the Lord's hand has been upon me um, as I've been praying and as I've been preparing and writing these messages. And I believe that the Lord has, in many ways, given me a blueprint um, through these last six weeks for you to learn how to make, maintain, and keep, um, manage and keep lasting change in your life. And so I want to encourage you to, if you miss any of those messages, to go back and listen to those, some incredible uh, and God-inspired teaching um, that the Lord gave me through those. And so I want to encourage you um, today that today is going to be um, the last message. And I believe that the Lord has saved even the best for last because I, I really have been encouraged by this message this week. So let's go ahead and get into the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 4. And I want to remind you that if you're following along with us um, and you're a note taker and you like to keep um, your notes, I've got some difficult difficult notes for you today. Some fill in the blanks. I made it really hard. So those of you that like a challenge, I feel like this is a good one for you today. All right. This passage is titled Jesus Taken Up to Heaven. It's a familiar passage, but I want you to hear it in a new way today. Verse four. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Somebody say command. It wasn't a suggestion wasn't an option, was a command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, somebody say wait, for the gift my father promised, which you have heard of me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They begin to ask Jesus a question. He responds back to them, and in verse 8 he says this, You will receive power, somebody say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pens these words, beginning at verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery or ungodly living. Instead, be filled. Somebody say, be filled with the Spirit. Somebody say, the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, I want to share with you from this subject, the power to change, the power to change. And this is the sermon and a sentence that I have for you today that I want you to take with you. Change is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say change is possible, I'm not saying that God is limited. I'm saying that God needs your involvement. God is looking for your involvement to be able to change so he can pour his spirit into your life to empower you to make the changes that you cannot make in your own ability. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We thank you, Lord, this morning, Lord, for this opportunity to gather around your word, Lord, to hear what you would have to say. Lord, I pray, Lord, that just as you said in your word, those who have ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And Father, we open up our hearts today, Lord, that we might believe your word, we might receive your word, and we might obey your word. Lord, change us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were stuck? Or maybe you felt trapped. Maybe you felt like there was no way out of the situation that you might have found yourself in, whether it was a problem, a situation, whether it was a relationship, or whether it was uh, some other thing that you felt like a habit maybe or an addiction that you felt was holding you down. I want to talk to you this morning about how to get unstuck. You see, I know what it's like to feel stuck. About 10 years or so ago, um, I was fishing in the Chesapeake Bay. I used to have a boat, for those that didn't know. I grew up in Hampton Roads, and I grew up on the water. I loved to fish, and so I had a boat, and I would go out in my boat, oftentimes by myself, and on this occasion, I went out in my boat um, it was a Wellcraft V21, had 150 Johnson horsepower on the back. It was a fun boat, and I would go out to the second island of the Chesapeake Bay and where we would fish for all kinds of fish. But on that particular day, I remember fishing. We were, I was fishing for spade fish. Got out there, um, was, got set up, put the anchor out and everything like that, and um, all of a sudden lost power to my engine. It's like, I didn't turn this off, so we might have a problem here. I go over uh, to the ignition, turn the ignition over. I'm just getting clicking. I'm not getting anything. And uh, so I tried furiously to figure out what was going on here. I unplugged the, uh, the, the battery. I checked for fuel, a fuel issue. I checked, um, you know, I, I, pulled, I pulled the... Uh, the back part of the, um, of the engine out. I took the top off to see if there was, I, I flooded the engine or anything like that. And I just could not figure out what was going on. And I realized in that moment, there was a sinking feeling, and you know what I'm talking about, when you're in these type of situations that I'm stuck. You see, I went out there to fish, to have a good time to catch fish, but I ended up stuck right? I didn't plan for this to happen, but what I planned for wasn't what I was experiencing, and so I no longer was enjoying 
my day. I knew that I was stuck, and I knew that I had to get unstuck, but I realized that I was totally inadequate, insufficient. I did not have the answers to this problem. I could not get unstuck. So here I was in the middle of the Chesapeake Bay, stuck in a boat. And you know what I did in that moment? I realized that though I could not get unstuck, I knew that I could call on somebody to help me get unstuck. And that's what I did. Because I had a subscription to what's called CETO. And what CETO is, it's a boat that will come from the inlet, that come out and meet you where you are, and they'll hook you up, right? They'll tie off and they will drag you back to the inlet. And so that's what I did. I had to get unstuck, and so I had to make a call to somebody that was stronger, more powerful than me in order to get me unstuck. This is what the Holy Spirit has done in the life of a follower of Jesus. You see, there's situations, there's problems, there's circumstances in life in which you are stuck and there's no way out. You're helpless, you're hopeless, you're too weak, you're too inadequate, and you cannot pick yourself up, you cannot pull yourself out, you cannot get yourself unstuck, and you need a power greater than yourself to come and to pull you into a place of being unstuck. This is what the Holy Spirit has come to do for us as a follower of Jesus. And the, po- the powerful truth about this reality is that Jesus, he was talking to his followers, his disciples, And he was giving them some last-minute instructions before he was to send to the right hand of God with the Father. And he gives them these instructions, and he says, wait. He says, I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to do anything else. I want you to pause. I want you to stop what you're doing. I don't want you to go. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to find. I don't want you to I want you to wait. And here's why I want you to wait, because I've got a promise. I've got a power. I've got a person. I've got a helper that is going to come and to help you to do what I've called you to do. You see, the reality is all these disciples had gotten up until this point from Jesus was principles from heaven. But they needed more than principles from heaven. They needed power from heaven. They needed more than instruction from Jesus, right? They needed an assistant from Jesus. They needed more than just hope from Jesus. They needed help from Jesus. And so Jesus, knowing what they needed, told them, commanded them, in fact, don't do anything else but go and wait. Stop doing everything. How many of y'all like to wait? It's so antithetical is what we want to do when we get stuck or when we get into a situation where where we're trapped and there seems to be no way out. And we want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We want to figure something out. We want to fix it in our own intelligence and our own ability. So what do we get to doing? We get to figuring out in our own wisdom and our own strength and our own ability. We don't pause to think maybe God has the solution to get me out of my problem. Maybe he's got the answer to my dilemma. Maybe God is the power that's going to get me from being unstuck. Up until this point, they had spent their entire lives with Jesus. 
They had ministered with Jesus. Jesus had taught them. Jesus, they had gathered people on the mountainsides, and they had gathered people in the temples, and they had gathered people um, around together in, in the synagogues, and, and they had set sail with Jesus, and they had ministered to people with Jesus. They had healed the sick. They had cast out demons. They had done ministry. They had served and loved people for the last three and a half years. And now Jesus is telling them, wait, don't do anything else, because he knew what they didn't know is that they needed something greater and more powerful than what they had. They were totally inadequate. They were unable to do what he had called them to do. And so you and I are in the same role as followers of Jesus. We can't do what God has instructed us to do. We can't live out his principles in our own power. We can't love our enemies. We can't serve the Lord. We can't praise the Lord with all of our heart. We can't do... Uh, all these things that God has instructed us to do in our own power. We need a greater power. It's the power that comes from God, the power in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so you can't love your wife as Jesus loved the church, and you can't parent your kids, and you can't be a good grandparent to your grandkids, and you can't be a good employee, and you can't live a life that honors God in your own strength, power, and ability. You need help. Look at the person next to you and say, you need help. You need help. You need help. This morning, change, though, is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has sent us a helper, and change is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit because this, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Change is is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in us. Watch this. The Holy Spirit is in us to transform us. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. Jesus is talking to his disciples at the Last Supper, and he says these words. He says, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. That word can be translated as advocate, as counselor. It's the Greek word paraclete. It's one literally who is called alongside of you to help you. And he says that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So this is not for people who are not in relationship with God. This is for people who are followers of Jesus. The world can't receive it, but you can. He says, because the world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells. He lives with you, and he will be in you. In future tense, he will be in you. And this is what Jesus is talking about in Acts chapter 1. He's saying, wait for the gift, the promise of the Father. He's talking about what Joel had talked about. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. He's your helper. He's your counselor. He's your advocate. He's one who is called alongside of you to give you power to live the life that God has called you to live. Here's what I love about uh, Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 9. He affirms this truth. He says, now anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Ezekiel in the Old Testament, in chapter 36, verse 26 through 27, you can look this up later. He says, Now, if anyone does not 
how the Spirit of Christ is not his, and, but Ezekiel says, behold, I will give you a new heart, and I will give you a new spirit that I will put in you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. This is known in theology as the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You see, the indwelling is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us, when we give our life to Christ, when we repent of our sins, and when we ask Jesus to come live in our hearts and our life, we become followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence on the inside of us. He takes up residence in your heart. He brings spiritual life when you were dead in your sins. He gives you a new nature, changing your ungodly desires to sin, and gives you a new motivation, a desire to please God, a new nature. He infuses you with life, with his presence. In other words, he transforms you from the inside out. And he wants to, his objective is not just to mildly change you. He wants to drastically transform you into another person. But we often have a misunderstood or misplaced mindset of what change looks like. Here's what people do when they want to make change as followers of Jesus. They have a misplaced mindset. They say this, they might start out by having this mindset, God, not me. In other words, it's all up to God to do the transforming work on the inside of me. It's God, not me. In other words, it's all up to God to do the transforming work. And although it is God who motivates, God inspires, God moves you, he changes your heart supernaturally, it's up to you to then begin to partner with God, to work with God. It's God in you, but not God apart from you. I was reading this article. Uh, It was called Change or Die, and these researchers, they were doing um, some work about people who had heart attacks and what it looked like for recovery for someone that had a heart attack. And they gave them, the doctors gave them this recovery plan, and they said, um, you know, you need to eat this, you need to get this amount of sleep, and you need to change this as lifestyle habits, you know, you need to not be as stressful and take yourself out of these certain environments. And, and the people who were in this survey, they found out that there were many people who got the vision. They were understanding uh, of what was required of them, and they had intentions to change, Right? They talked about change. They heard what was necessary to change, but they didn't make the required change. And those people that didn't make the required change would end up dying before they made those changes. So they talked about the change, but they didn't actually make the change. There was another group of people who made slight changes. They made minor changes. They knew what they were supposed to do, but they settled for some change. They compromise with change. You know, maybe they said, I'll sleep, but I'm not going to cut back on cheeseburgers and french fries and apple pie and cheesecake. Come on. Getting somebody that's hungry right now, like me. And they said, I'm going to make some changes, but I'm not going to make all the changes. I'm going to settle for some changes, and that will be good enough. And the the, the expert says that these people were no better off than the ones who just saw that they needed to change but didn't make any change because the, although they knew what they needed to do, they didn't apply the means in order to make the changes that they were supposed to make. 
Let me relate this to your spiritual life. God says this, I want to change you, but I'm not going to change you apart from you. You're going to have to cooperate with me. See, this is what we do. We, we understand the cost sometime, many times of following Jesus. We know that we've got to pick up his word. We know that we need to begin to pray. We know that we need to attend church. We know that we need to serve. We, we understand and we hear the pastor talking about how we need to join a group, a support group, and we need to get involved and we need to serve and we need to give and we need to do all of these things. But how many of us settle for little change without making the required change that's going to be lasting change? You see, the Holy Spirit is in us to transform us, but he will not work apart from us. We have to cooperate with the change that he, wants to take, that he wants to do in our life. You see, we see these changes that we need to make, and they make us uncomfortable. Why? Because they cost us something, and so we begin to pick and choose the things that we want to do, and we end up maybe mildly changed, but we live far below the change that God wants to make in our life. You see, the Holy Spirit's role is to make us more like God. Jesus. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's making us. Even right now, I pray that this is his work, that he's convicting you. You see, this is the role of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't just come to comfort us. He's not come just to come alongside of us, right, to advocate and comfort us and to help us. He's come alongside of us to convict us, to reveal truth to us, to show us where we need to be in reality of where we are and the progress that needs to take place in our life. So if you're feeling uncomfortable a little bit this morning because of the things that you know that God has been speaking to you about, the changes that you need to make, listen, you're in a good place. And so what you need to do right now, instead of resisting the Holy Spirit, instead of compromising, instead of uh, complaining, instead of just casually going through the motions, I want you to take to heart this morning the reality that the Holy Spirit is in your life to transform your life, to make you more like Jesus. It's one thing to hear about change. It's another thing to talk about change, but it's another thing to actually make change. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through his power of his Holy Spirit, is wanting to change you today. He doesn't want you to just settle for change, but he wants you to yield to him so that he can bring about change in your life. Secondly, change is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, first of all, because the Holy Spirit is in us to transform us, but secondly, the Holy, because the Holy Spirit is with us to resource us. Change is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is with us to resource us. Now, here's the problem. There's another misinformed mindset of change that doesn't just say, uh, God, not me, but this misinformed mindset says, God, then me. In other words, it's all up to God, or it's, it's all up to me. The first one says it's all up to God. The second mentality says it's all up to me. I've got to do this in my own strength. If it's going to be, then it's up to me. If it's going to be, then it's up to me. This is a misunderstanding because the Holy Spirit's transformative work in you is also taking place alongside of you, with you, not apart from you. This is the infilling 
of the Holy Spirit. The first is the indwelling, which it brings the presence of God as you become a follower of Jesus. Salvation takes place in your heart, but there's something more that you're missing out on if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. These are two different, separate things. First, the Holy Spirit comes in you to live within you, to transform you, and secondly, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts chapter Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5 and verse 8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you to give you power to be my witnesses. If you want to live a supernatural life that God has called you to, you have to have a supernatural power. That power comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. Every child of God is indwelled by the presence of the Holy Spirit, but not every child of God is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so these disciples, they were filled and changed in a moment, and yet the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, I'm going to read it to you again here. He says, he says this, he says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to ungodly living. He said, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. What does Paul mean here in Ephesians chapter 5? See, I thought that they were already filled. But yeah, they were filled one time. But, but the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just an event, it's a daily occurrence. We have to be daily filled by the Holy Spirit to live the life of power and to do what God has called us to do. That Greek word, that little Greek word in the, in the Greek language that the Bible is written in, be filled means this. Once, first and foremost, what I need you to know is that it's an imperative, which means it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option among many options. No, he says, be filled. This is a command. How many of you have kids? How many of you know kids, right? If you have kids in your life and you're talking with them and you're trying to guide them in life, this is what I do uh, with my daughter and my son. Sometimes as a parent, you will give them suggestions, you know, these things are optional, like, hey, you know, you probably should think about this, or I would do this if I was you, and you might want to pray uh, about this. But there's other times, right, that you're giving them as their parent, you're giving them commands. You know, Ava will come to me, and she'll, she'll say, you know, what about this and that and this and that? I said, I need you to do this. And she'll say, but dad, but dad, you know, whatever. And I said, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. <laughs> And so this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm commanding you. This is not an option. This is not a suggestion. This word, be filled, it's a verb. It's a command. It doesn't just say, uh, maybe if you want to, it's a suggestion. But in, in, to not be filled with the Holy Spirit, right, is to live in rebellion against the will of God for your life. It's rebellion against the will of God for your life. Just as God says, don't do this in the commandments, he says, do this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's an imperative. Secondly, it's in the present tense. Listen to this, which speaks of it being something that needs to be continual. So it's not just, hey, you're filled with the Spirit in the past, but you need to be filled with the Spirit daily, today. It's a present. It's needs, you need to be continually filled with the Spirit. It could mean this. You could translate this. Be filled and keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's a daily experience. Why? Because we leak daily. So we need to be filled daily. Some of y'all are leaking even right now. You argue on the way to church. Come on. You yelled at somebody that cut you off. 
Come on, you're in a bad mood this morning. Come on, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you are leaking. And you can't live the life that God has called you to live in your own strength and your own power and your own just take a deep breath and just kind of recollect myself, you know. You need God to infuse you with power to live the life that he's called you to live. To ask forgiveness, that's for somebody this morning that yelled at somebody here today, all right? That, that verb, be filled, it's not just a command, it's not just continual, but it's also in the plural. In other words, it's for everybody. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is a command for everybody. It's not just for pastors and missionaries and teachers and staff members, come on, and elders and deacons, but being filled with the Holy Spirit is for every single one of us who name the name of Jesus that are followers of Jesus. It's for the person in the nursery. It's for the person on the band. It's for the person on the welcome team. It's for the person that's not even serving at all. Every single one of us needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the plural. It's for all of us. Us. And finally, it's in the passive voice. This is what I love. It means this. You could translate that, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You could translate it, allow yourself to be filled and keep on being filled. You see, you can't fill yourself. So you have to ask God to fill you. And when God fills you, when you partner with God and you say, yes, God, I need to be filled, he will fill you. He'll fill you when you ask for him to fill you. God does the filling when we do the cooperating. The power to change is in partnering with the Holy Spirit, right? So God wants to indwell us. He wants his presence to transform our lives. God also wants to infill us. He wants to empower us to live a life that we can't live in our own strength. In other words, he's resourcing us. He's coming alongside of us. And finally, change is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is working through us to use us. The Holy Spirit is working through you to use you. This is a misinformed mindset of change. It's God only me. The first one says that God not me. You know, it's all on God. The second one says God then me. It's all on me. And this last misinformed mindset is God only me. You see, God is not transforming you for you. God's not blessing you for you. God's not doing a work in your life and your heart just for you. God wants to use you. Listen to hear what happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 19. After verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to an ungodly life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Listen to this, verse 19 speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus. When we decide to cooperate daily by partnering with the Holy Spirit, the results begin with our spiritual life. And so now we have a power that we, we can come in here, we can lift up our hands, we can lift up our voice, we can enter into a place of worship before God because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what the Spirit-filled life looks like. It's our worship life that has changed. But not only that, the Apostle Paul shows us in the remainder of the book of Ephesians, and this is your homework assignment. How many of y'all can do some homework, all right? The book of Ephesians is six chapters. I've already got you up to the fifth chapter right? So you need to go home and I want you to do one chapter. I want you to read one chapter. 
because since um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, when he says, be filled with the Spirit, then he begins to start to discuss and, and to show you and talk about what it is to look like, what it looks like to live a Spirit-filled life. He said, this impacts your worship life. The Spirit of God will make you a better worshiper, both publicly and privately. The Spirit of God will change and transform you to be a better husband or a better wife. It'll affect your married life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 32. The Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit of God, will transform your family life. It'll make you better parents and better children. Being filled with the Spirit will transform your work life. The Spirit of God will make you a better employee and a better employer. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 through 9. The Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit, will greatly enhance and transform your spiritual warfare. The Spirit of God will make you better soldiers and guarantee you more victories in the battle of life. And finally, being filled with the Spirit will enhance your prayer life. It'll transform you to be a prayer warrior. The power to change is in you. The power to change is with you. The power to change is through you by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And I know this sounds super spiritual, maybe to some of you. Maybe you reflect back to when I was talking a few weeks ago about the habits that bring about the change in your life. Or maybe you like the message that I was talking about uh, the people, the right people in your life that will change your life. Or maybe you're thinking about, you know, the right mindset, having the right mindset to change. Or thinking about the pursuit of change that I've talked about. This message right here is the most important message in this collection. Because if you try all these other things, all these other truths, and you try to live out God's word in your own strength, in your own ability, in your own power, then you're going to find yourself limited by your strength and your ability. You need a power that comes from another world. You need a supernatural power to live a supernatural life, to live the life that God is calling you to live. So God doesn't want to just indwell you he doesn't want to just um, infill you, but he wants to overflow. His purpose is to transform your life, to work through you, that he might use you. Change is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. One time, in closing, I'm going to close here, but one time I was in an elevator, and the elevator got stuck. And if you've ever been in this situation before, I was just a teenager when this happened, everybody starts freaking out. <laughs> you know, everybody starts panicking. You know, we start, started yelling in, 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 that, in that elevator. People started yelling, hey, help, 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 help. They started banging on the walls of the elevator. Let us out. Is anybody up there? Is anybody up there? People were freaking out. And desperate people, right, they do desperate things. And there was a guy who was in the elevator, just as calm as can be. He walked over 
to where this, there was this telephone. And he picks up the telephone. Everybody's freaking out. He says, the person on the other end, he waits for a second. He says, uh, is there a problem? And he says, yeah, we're stalking between uh, such and such floor and such and such floor. Um, and can you help us? Can you send some help? And, she, and the lady said, well, sure, we're going to send somebody up right away. And, and we'll, we'll get you out of there right away. And it got me to thinking, and we got out of that, out of that trap situation, but it got me thinking um, that how we get trapped in situations and in circumstances, and we try to bang, and we try to scream, and we try to yell, we try to do everything that we know how to do in our own power, in our own ability to get ourselves unstuck and untrapped and out of these situations, all the while, it's as simple as asking God to help us, to free us, to get us from being stuck to being unstuck, for God to pull us out and to God, for God to set us free. I don't know where you might be this morning. Maybe you've got some situations. Maybe you've got a, a thing that it just seems like a dead end and you've been struggling with it, a habit, maybe a mindset. Maybe, you know, you just can't break out of this continual going through the motions every day that you've been struggling with. Maybe you seem, you, you think you're powerless to ever make any changes, to see God do anything different. And so you begin to settle. You begin to compromise. You begin to live casually. And you said, this is, I guess, the way that it's always going to be. I want to encourage you today that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, has the ability to pull you out to get you up, to move you over. You are more than a conqueror, the scripture says, through him that loves you. You can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus said that you will have power over all the power of the enemy because of the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you. He said nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is working through you. Would you ask him today to help you? Would you ask him today to fill you? Would you ask him today to come alongside of you and to break you through and to move you out and to move you up and to move you over and to help you break off the chains that you might find that are keeping you down, keeping you stuck today. There's a greater power that you can find in the person through the Holy Spirit. If you stand up on your feet today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.